is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys, These Guys Know Sports here on this Tuesday, July the 26th on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I am back in the house on Wise Guys Sports on the Worldwide Sports Network. I am excited to be back talking all the latest in sports news. I'm excited because we got the NFL season coming up. A lot of teams have already started their training camps. I think the Packers open up training camp tomorrow in Green Bay. I saw my man Aaron Rodgers, the NFL MVP. He arrived in Green Bay, Nicholas Cage style. The Con Air movie, go watch that movie and you can see why I'm talking about Nicolas Cage and Aaron Rodgers and how you arrived at Lambeau Field in Green Bay this morning. But also right here live in Cincinnati, we got the Cincinnati Bengals. They opened up training camp a couple days ago. So I'm excited for the NFL season that is upon us soon. But I got so many topics to get into tonight on the show. We're going to talk about Kyler Murray and his 230 New million-dollar deal that he just signed with the Arizona Cardinals. He got $160 million guaranteed. Also, we're going to talk about Jamar Chase. Is Jamar Chase a top-five receiver in the NFL? Man doesn't think so. They didn't even have him in their top 10 receivers in the NFL when they came out with their ratings last week. And the question of the day, which version of LeBron James is the best? Is it Cleveland the first time? Miami, Cleveland the second time, or the Lakers LeBron? Which version of LeBron James is the best? That is the question of the day. And actually, right now, let's let's go on Twitter and let's look at the results because I had a poll up for this question, and you had to go on the Wise Guys page to cast your vote. And let's talk about the results. We have 57% who says. LeBron James' best version of himself was in Miami. 36% was Cavs the second time, and 7% was Cavs the first time. Lakers didn't get no votes at all. But I'll get into that a little bit later on the show. Let's dive into some NBA, and let's talk about Kevin Durant and the Boston Celtics' interest in Kevin Durant. As it's being reported that the Celtics are willing to include Jalen Brown in a deal according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, Miami Heat, Phoenix Suns, and the Toronto Raptors are also teams who have been communicating with the Nets since Kevin Durant requested to be traded. And by the way, if anyone want to call into the Wise Guys Sports Show tonight, you can call in. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. I ain't running. I'm right here ready to talk some sports. We can debate about whatever you want to talk about. Whatever. So call into the show. Let's, let's talk. But let's talk about the Boston Celtics entering the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. And now they have offered Jalen Brown as a part of the deal if they were to make a deal with the Brooklyn Nets. So the question is, should the Celtics trade for Kevin Durant? And I believe it is an emphatic no. The Boston Celtics should not trade for Kevin Durant. It would be a terrible move by the Boston Celtics. Now let me be very, very clear. Yes, Kevin Durant is still better than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Despite Kevin Durant getting swept by the Boston Celtics in this year's first round of the NBA playoffs, 
Kevin Durant is still a top five player in the NBA, and he's still currently better than both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I'm not debating whether or not Tatum and Brown are better than Kevin Durant. We all know the answer to that. And we all know if the Boston Celtics traded for Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum as a dynamic duo in the Eastern Conference, I believe they would be the favorites to come out of the East next season. I would favor the Celtics over the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis and Chris Middleton coming back. I would favor the Celtics over the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo in Miami. I would favor the Celtics over, you know, all of those teams in the Eastern Conference right now. You know, you, you look at the Knicks. They might possibly trade for Donovan Mitchell. We'll see what happens there. I still don't believe that they are championship contenders, even with Donovan Mitchell. And then, again, you look at, you know, you got Miami, you got Milwaukee. I still think the Boston Celtics, if they brought in Kevin Durant, they would be the favorites next year in the Eastern Conference. I want to be very, very clear about that because I know everybody think, like, are you saying that the Celtics are better now than they would be if they traded for Kevin Durant? That's not what I'm arguing because I believe, let's just say you took off Jason Tatum off the Celtics team this past year that got to the finals. I think this Celtics team would have beaten the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. but. We're talking about right now, and in the report, the Celtics said Jason Tatum is off limits. And you can we can debate all day long about who's better between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I know Jalen Brown outplayed Tatum in the NBA Finals, but I still believe Tatum is an overall better player. And I think at his best, at his max potential, he's better than Jalen Brown is. But see, when I look at Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I think Jason Tatum is a one, but he has a Robin mentality. Jalen Brown is the opposite. He's a two, but he has a Batman mentality. I think Jason Tatum will learn from his experience this past year, being in the NBA Finals and, you know, going through the entire NBA playoffs, what it takes to be a superstar and perform at a very, very high level. Because I have to admit, he's not a superstar, but he's a star. He's a star player. In order to elevate to that superstar status, he got to perform when his team is in the NBA Finals. I think the Celtics improved, and I'm going to get to that in a bit. I think Tatum and Kevin Durant, that duo in the front court would be dynamic, and they would be lethal. I don't see no other duo in the NBA being better than Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum if the Celtics traded for Kevin Durant. I'm taking KD and Tatum over Kawhi and Paul George. I'm taking Tatum and Kevin Durant over LeBron and Anthony Davis. I'm taking Tatum and KD over Giannis and Chris Middleton. Offensively, they would be unstoppable. And I think Tatum would learn so much from Kevin Durant that being around him every day and being in the gym practicing together, Tatum would learn so much with Kevin Durant. Because we know both players are lethal scores. This is what they do. They're lethal scores. But we know if the Celtics traded for Kevin Durant, the Nets would want back Marcus Smart in a deal. And we know Marcus Smart is a great defensive player. He won NBA Defensive Player of the Year last year. And I would not want to include Marcus Smart in a deal for Kevin Durant if I'm the Boston Celtics. I would try to hold on 
to Marcus Smart for their life. But the Boston Celtics did trade for Malcolm Brogdon earlier in the offseason. So they're trying to fix their point guard issue. That's why I think they lost the NBA Finals, honestly. I believe they didn't know how to protect the basketball, and they had too many damn turnovers. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both led the playoffs in total turnovers because they have a point guard issue. Marcus Smart plays point guard for the Boston Celtics, but Marcus Smart is not a traditional point guard. Malcolm Brogdon will help the Boston Celtics and get into their offensive sets next year. But again, I believe Tatum and KD would be lethal. But here's the reason why you don't make the deal for Kevin Durant. Number one is durability. Durability has been an issue for Kevin Durant. KD, in the last three seasons, he's played 90 games. Last three seasons, he's played 90 games. We've been talking about how much Kyrie misses games. He's played in more games than Kevin Durant has. So I think Kevin Durant, he's going to be 34 years old going into next year. His birthday is in September. So he's 34. I believe you'll compete for a championship the next four years with Kevin Durant and J Jason Tatum. But if you keep Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together for the next 10 to 12 years, you will compete for an NBA championship. Jalen Brown is going to be 26 in October. Jason Tatum will be 25 next March. You get 10 to 12 premium years to compete for a championship compared to only being able to compete for a championship the next three or four years with Kevin Durant. And then we all know Kevin Durant, Every day, his mood changes. He might ask for a trade next year out of Boston again. At least if you got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, two homegrown players in that Boston Celtics system, we know they can grow together and be a dynamic duo for future seasons to come. And the Celtics can compete for championships. And the fact that the Celtics got to the NBA Finals this year, in my opinion, validates the Celtics keeping their core young stars together i just don't think it would make sense to trade for kevin durant because i believe the subjects as currently constructed are a championship caliber team i really really do like i'm not trading Jalen brown and jason Tatum for kevin durant and kevin durant is better than both young stars but i believe i get 10 to 12 years with brown and tatum and i'll take that over five years with kevin durant that's my thoughts on it. And again, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys know sports. Let's transition and let's talk about Madden. Madden released its top 10 receivers the other day. And it was interesting because there was someone that was missing. Jamar Chase was missing from this list. So I'm going to read this list for the top 10 receivers according to Madden, right? Devontae Adams, he comes in at 99 overall rating. Second time in a row where Devontae Adams has cracked the 99 rating club. Cooper Cup comes in at rating 98. Tyreek Hill, 97. DeAndre Hopkins, 96. Stephon Diggs, 95. Justin Jefferson, 93. Mike Evans, 92. Terry McLaurin, 91. Ken Allen, 91, and Amari Cooper at 90. So Madden rated Jamar Chase at 87. And so Jamar Chase went on Twitter 
And he said, quote, I'm going to keep working. Extra motivation. So let me be very, very clear. Whoever makes the top 10 receivers list and their ratings for Madden should be ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed of themselves and they should be banned from rating players on Madden. Not having Jamar Chase in the top 10 receivers is ridiculous. Jamar Chase is easily a top five receiver in the NFL. Let's talk about Jamar Chase in his rookie season last year with the Cincinnati Bengals. Jamar Chase had 81 receptions, 1,455 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns. He also won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Let's go over some of these records that Jamar Chase broke in his rookie season, shall we? He had the most receiving yards in the game by a rookie with 266 yards receiving. That was the game against Kansas City Chiefs, I believe, last year. He has the most receiving yards in a season by a rookie with 1,455 receiving yards. He has the most receiving yards in a postseason by a rookie with 368 receiving yards. This brother had more 200-yard receiving games than Randy Moss did in his entire career in his rookie season. And then there was a poll that recently came out where NFL executives, coaches, and players they ranked the top five receivers in the NFL. Here are the, here's the list. Devontae Adams, number one. I agree. Cooper Cup, number two. I agree. Jamar Chase, number three. Justin Jefferson at number four. And Tyreek Hill at number five. I think based on just last year alone, the only receivers that I'm taking over, Jamar Chase, is Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup. Those are the only two receivers I'm taking over Jamar Chase right now. Jamar Chase is a dynamic receiver in the open field. I believe outside of Tyreek Hill, there's not a faster receiver in the NFL. It's not. Outside of Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase is the fastest receiver in the NFL. And I just think this is ridiculous that Madden didn't have Jamar Chase in their top 10 receivers. It's crazy. Ranked 80, rating 87? Are you kidding me? That's insane. So the question is, who would you take off the list? I got a lot of respect for these two players I'm about to name, but it's two players I would take off the list to put on Jamar Chase on this list. Number one is Terry McLaren, the receiver for the Washington Commanders. His best season was in 2020. McLaurin, he had 87 receptions, 1,118 receiving yards, four touchdowns. His last two years, he's had a total of nine touchdowns. Jamar Chase had 13 touchdowns in 2021 alone. Let that sink in. The last two years, McLaurin has had nine touchdowns. Chase had 13 touchdowns last year alone. I think McLaurin should have been taken off the list. Let's get to Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper hasn't had a 10-touchdown season, yet in the seven seasons he's been in the NFL. Jamar Chase had 13 touchdowns last year. Amari Cooper hasn't had a 1,200-yard season, let alone a 1,400-yard-plus season like Jamar Chase had last year. Amari Cooper only had 81 catches or more twice in his career. Chase had 81 receptions 
last year alone in his rookie season. So I think you can make an argument that Jamar Chase had the best rookie season of all time. And his rookie season is better than any season McLaurin or Cooper has had in their career. It's ridiculous that man doesn't have Jamar Chase on their top 10 receivers list. And I believe it's crazy that he's rated 87. He's better than that. And y'all know, everybody knows here in Cincinnati, Bingo fans know I have no problem, no issue with knocking the Cincinnati Bengals. But honestly, Jamar Chase impressed me last year. That connection he had with Joe Burrow, dating back to their days at LSU, winning a national championship with, you know, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson on that LSU Tigers team. Clyde Edwards and he contributed to the running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. But again, it's undeniable how great Jamar Chase is as a receiver. And I just think it's insane. Call into the show, 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's debate. Is Jamar Chase a top five receiver? I think he's top three in my book. Everybody going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore Wait, Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at these guys. No sports. Let's get into the question of the day. And I'm going to read the poll again so everyone can know what the results were. So this was a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And fans, they have been divided over which of LeBron's tenures saw the king at his peak. So here is the voting results from the question of the day on the show. Which is the best version of LeBron James? Is it the Cavs the first time, the Heat, Cavs the second time, or the Lakers? Which is the best best version of LeBron James? Chime in. Let's 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 talk about it. I want to know what you what your opinion is. Oh, I got some comments. Or let's read some of these comments. Got some people on here. Brogdon will hurt the Celtics more than he will help. That's my man Dion Butler. He's a Big time Milwaukee Bucks fan. Me and my man Dion Butler, we don't get along during basketball season, but he is my man during football season. I got Moran, Tony Moran, my guy. I want to bring him on the show here soon. Mad ratings are created by non-football players. I wouldn't even compare those to how the actual players play. Facts. You're right, Tony. That's true. Tatum choked all four quarters in the finals. That's facts. I agree. Good luck on the stream. Suddens got better with Brogdon. Yes, I said that. Celtics got better bringing in Mal Malcolm Brogdon. They really did. That was the issue in the NBA Finals. The issue was they didn't know how to protect the basketball in key moments. The, the Golden State Warriors, they've been to the NBA Finals multiple years prior to this past year. So Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, they know what to expect in those moments. The Celtics lacked a true point guard in the NBA Finals, and that's what cost them an NBA championship. A few days ago, this was last week, Grant Williams was on a podcast, the forward for the Boston Celtics, and he said he believes the Boston Celtics were the more talented team. I agree. I agree. Yes, the Golden State Warriors won the Finals. Yes, Steph Curry won his first NBA Finals MVP. Yes, the Celtics came up short. But I still think the Celtics are the more talented team. 
but the Golden State Warriors are the more experienced team. And they know what to expect in those finals moments. But I want to get back to this question of the day, the chosen one. Because we're talking about LeBron James. Which is the best version of LeBron? Cleveland the first time, Miami, Cleveland the second time, or Los Angeles, LeBron James. So, first and foremost, I want to say LeBron James has been so consistent throughout his career. He's a straight model of consistency. Let's go over these numbers for each team he was with in his illustrious career. This was Cleveland the first time. He went 28-7-7. In Miami, he went 27-8-7. In Cleveland, he went 26-8-8. And And in L.A. with Lakers, he's gone 27-8-8. He's been a straight model of consistency. His game has not dipped one bit. He's still playing at an elite level. And LeBron James is still a top three player in the NBA. Arguing with your mom. He's still a top three player in the NBA. Now, let's talk about his path in his career. In his transition from Cleveland to Miami, I thought he got better. In Miami, LeBron won two NBA MVPs. He won two NBA Finals MVPs. He was a four-time all-defensive selection. Three-time first-team defense. He had his two highest field goal percentages of his career in Miami. He had also one year where he shot over 40% from three. And so I believe when he was in Miami, I thought LeBron got better. I thought the Miami LeBron was much better than LeBron in Cleveland the first time. I thought he became a better shooter. In Miami, I thought in Miami defensively he got better because again he was a four-time all-defensive selection. Three times he was on all first team defense. And remember at that time, LeBron could guard one through five. He could guard literally one through five. I remember the year when the Heat played the Spurs in the NBA Finals. They played the Spurs in the 2013 NBA Finals, and the 2014 NBA Finals, I believe. I think Spolstra made an adjustment, and he put LeBron on Tony Parker. Tony Parker down the stretch in those NBA Finals games, he shot 9 of 35 with LeBron James guarding him. So he struggled significantly from the floor. So we know LeBron James elevated his game from, from a defensive standpoint once he got to Miami. Now, I can't talk about the ups and the great moments in Miami without talking about the bad moments that LeBron James had in Miami. His worst moment probably of his career happened in the 2011 NBA Finals. This was games four, five, and six against the Dallas Mavericks. That was a team that had Dirk Nowitzki, Jason Terry, Jason Kidd, you know, Tyson Chandler, I believe, was on that team as well. That was that Dallas Mavericks team. You remember going into the NBA Finals, the Miami Heat were favored. They were favored to beat the Dallas Mavericks. They had Chris Bosh. They had Dwayne Wade, one of the best players in the league at the time, and they had LeBron James, arguably the best player in the league at that time. Although I still think Kobe, God rest his soul, was the best player in the league at that time. You know, I, I thought I thought Kobe was the best player in the NBA up until about 2011. A lot of people who are LeBron fans, they think that 
LeBron was the best player in the NBA in 07, 08, 09. I think Kobe was still the best player in the NBA at that time. But that's neither here nor there. So we in the NBA Finals. Games four, five, and six, LeBron, he averaged 15 points per game on 44% shooting, which is uncharacteristic for him because we know LeBron James always shoots at a high clip. He shot 2 of 12 from three-point range, which is 17%. He shot 4 of 10 from the free throw line, which is 40%, and games 4, 5, and 6 of the 2011 NBA Finals. And you remember, the Miami Heat, I think they were up 2-1 in that series. I could be wrong, but I think they were up two games to one in that NBA Finals, and it was a straight collapse. It, it, it just all came apart for LeBron James and the Miami Heat. And LeBron was awful. That was probably the worst moment of LeBron James' career. But again, I'm not going to take away from LeBron and what he accomplished in Miami. Two MVPs, two NBA Finals MVPs, and he was great defensively. But the best LeBron James, in my opinion, was LeBron James in Cleveland the second time. And you remember he went back home to Cleveland. They traded for Kevin Love, and so you had Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving and LeBron James as a big three in Cleveland. So in the 2014 season, back in Cleveland, LeBron, he had 25 points per game on 49% shooting from the floor, six rebounds, seven assists per game. But I thought the moment came in the NBA Finals because he led them to the NBA Finals again. So in the NBA Finals, no Kyrie, because Kyrie went down in game one in overtime. Kevin Love was out the entire NBA Finals. So there's no Kyrie Irving. There's no Kevin Love for the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's LeBron James versus the whole entire Golden State Warriors in their prime. This is Klay Thompson in his prime, Andre Iguodala in his prime. This is when the Golden State Warriors, you know, their dynasty began. This LeBron, LeBron, in that NBA Finals, he averaged 41 points per game, 12 and 8 in those first three games of that series. Let me say that again. He averaged 41 points per game, 12 and 8. He was dominating in this NBA Finals in 2015. And this was the NBA Finals, remember, where there were actually people that were saying even though LeBron and the Cavaliers came up short, they said LeBron James was the best player on the floor. It was the first time I actually agree with witnesses. Witnesses, LeBron fans. That was the first time I actually said, they got a point. Because LeBron was the best player on the floor. He was the best player on the floor by far. By far. And so what ended up happening was the Cavs, they were up 2-1. Game four in LeBron's house in Cleveland. Steve Kerr made an adjustment. He inserted Andre Iguodala into the starting lineup. In game four, LeBron struggled a little bit. And Andre Iguodala had a major impact on the NBA Finals. And he helped the Golden State Warriors in that game. And they went on to win the series in six. So they won three straight games. And I thought... LeBron was sensational in that NBA Finals in 2015. I thought he was sensational because he had little to no help. And I thought the NBA Finals was actually competitive because of LeBron James and his greatness. 
Now, let's fast forward to the next year. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, they returned back to the lineup. In 2016, we all know the comeback from being down 3-1. LeBron won NBA Finals MVP, and he was a driving force for that Cleveland Cavaliers team. In that NBA Finals, these are LeBron James numbers, 30 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, 9 assists per game on 49% shooting, shooting very efficient from the field. And I remember the biggest play of the NBA Finals. It wasn't the, it, it wasn't the I, like I always say Kyrie Irving's shot was the biggest shot of the NBA Finals, but LeBron James' chase down block on Iggy was the most impactful play of the NBA Finals, period. I, don't get, I love Kyrie Irving's shot because it reminded me of MJ's walk-off shot in the 1998 NBA Finals against the Utah Jazz over Brian Russell. But LeBron James' chase down block on Iggy was more impactful than Kyrie Irving's big shot because without LeBron James' chase down block, you don't have Kyrie Irving in that position to hit that go-ahead shot over Steph Curry. That chase down block was outstanding. And I say all the time, I think Kobe and MJ are my goals. I think they're the two greatest players in NBA history. I think LeBron James is also right there neck and neck with Kobe and Jordan, but I'm giving Kobe and Jordan the slight nod over LeBron. Kobe and Jordan could not have done what LeBron James did on that play with that chase down block. That was that was all LeBron. That I, I feel like if we was like after LeBron retires and at his Hall of Fame ceremony, I think that should be the play that they show. Like, I mean, he, he has a ton of highlights in his career, obviously, to choose from. But I think the chase down block on Iggy has to be the biggest highlight of his career. Like, I think Jordan's is the, the shot over Brian Russell in the 1998 NBA Finals. I think you can make an argument for Kobe's being the, the lob to Shaq. You know, in, in, in I think that was the Western Conference Finals against the Portland Trailblazers and Scottie Pippen. But LeBron's got to be that chase down block. But again, in that NBA Finals in 2016, they came back from three, being down 3-1. And LeBron became the first player in NBA history to lead all players in a playoff series in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. First player to ever do it in NBA history. That's when I realized, oh, he's doing his thing. He's doing his thing, and he is officially the best player in the NBA. I thought he was the best player in the NBA in Miami already, but that solidified it for me. When they came back from being down 3-1 in the NBA Finals, that was a great accomplishment in LeBron James' career. Great accomplishment. Like, I know he had Kyrie Irving along for the ride, but LeBron James was sensational in that NBA Finals, off the charts. And he actually was a part of the reason why I think the Golden State Warriors brought in Kevin Durant. That's the reason why Draymond Green went to the parking lot crying and called for Kevin Durant to come to Golden State because they knew they weren't beating LeBron James again. I say it all the time. LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Lillard had figured out the Golden State Warriors after the 2016 NBA Finals. Steph Curry and the Warriors weren't beating LeBron no more. It wasn't going to happen. It was not going to happen. But let's let's carry on. These are the reasons why I believe LeBron in Cleveland, in his second stint with the Cavaliers, this was the best version of LeBron James. In 2018, this NBA playoffs, Kyrie Irving was gone. He was in Boston. 
and it was just pretty much LeBron James. And LeBron literally dragged that Cleveland Cavaliers team to the NBA Finals. First round, they go seven games with the Indiana Pacers. That Pacers team, weren't, weren't they weren't very good. But because LeBron James didn't have much, very, much help, it ended up going seven games. Second round, they swept the Toronto Raptors. And that was the Toronto Raptors team that had Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. And that's when I realized if Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan can't beat LeBron without Kyrie Irving, they're never going to be able to beat LeBron. That's when I realized LeBron James is Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan's kryptonite. They're never going to be able to beat LeBron. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's when LeBron had the little walk-off game winning shot, left side of the floor. It was amazing. But conference finals, go seven games. No Kyrie Irving. This was against the baby Celtics. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they were babies. They were babies. That was when Tatum dunked on LeBron and stared at him and all that. But LeBron prevailed, and the Cavaliers beat the Celtics in seven games, and they punched their ticket to the NBA Finals. But we all knew that they were overmatched in the NBA Finals. This was the team that had Kevin Durant on that Golden State Warriors team. That Cavaliers team were beating the Golden State Warriors. They were overmatched. It was not going to happen. I was, I was actually, honestly, as an NBA fan that year, I was rooting for the Celtics to get to the finals because I thought that would have been a better matchup for NBA fans than seeing LeBron and the Cavaliers try to beat Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and the Golden State Warriors. It was not going to happen. But y'all remember that year in the NBA finals, this is the second time, you know, that the Cavaliers, have, they, they had to play the Warriors, you know, just like the, I think it's like the fourth time in four years, right? Game one. LeBron dropped 51 points, eight assists, but they lost in overtime. That was the game, remember, when I believe – I can't remember exactly remember. I think J.R. Smith got the rebound off the free throw, and he didn't know what to do, and you saw LeBron look at him like, what, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, it was just crazy, right? LeBron was sensational in that game. 51 points, eight assists, but they lose in overtime. But he was outstanding. I believe the best version of LeBron James – was his second stint with the Cleveland Cavaliers. There were times where I thought the Cavaliers shouldn't even have been in the NBA Finals. I thought that he had, you know, times in Cleveland where he was dragging the Cleveland Cavaliers. So go on Wise Guys' Twitter page and vote. I think his second stint with the Cleveland Cavaliers was the best version of LeBron James. But call in. Let's debate. 513-203-8655. Is the number to dial 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Let's transition and let's talk about the wiser last segment of the day. The Philadelphia 76ers and James Harden agreed to a two-year $68.6 million deal. The deal includes a $35.6 million player option in 2023-24, allowing him to test free agency again next summer. The former NBA MVP has veto power on any trade this upcoming NBA season due to his player option. So is it wise or lies to say the Sixers made the right decision bringing back Harden? So those of you who don't know, the wise or lies segment of the day, if I agree with whatever statement, it's wise. If I disagree, it's lies. Here, I think it is lies because I believe the Sixers made a mistake Bring back James Harden. Yes, I said it, James Harden. Because I thought last year James Harden was a shell of himself. 
He was awful last year. He was awful. And I don't think James Harden has that same burst anymore. I don't think he's the same player that he was when he was in Houston. I would have let James Harden walk in free agency. I don't think the Philadelphia 76ers will win an NBA championship with James Harden on their roster. It's not going to happen. I think they can win a championship with Joel Embiid, but not with James Harden. I think James Harden is a shell of himself. I don't think he even deserves a $68.6 million deal. I don't. He's lucky to be getting 35.6, you know, player option. He's lucky to be getting that because I wouldn't give him that. Like everyone's talking about Russell Westbrook and how Russell Westbrook isn't the same player. I don't think James Harden is the same player that he was once was in Houston. So I think the Sixers made a mistake paying James Harden, but it's only a, essentially a one-year deal. They can get out of this deal after this season. DeAndre Ayton is staying in Phoenix. The Phoenix Suns matched the offer sheet from the Indiana Pacers. This deal was a four-year, $133 million maximum offer sheet. So is it wise or lies to say that the Suns made the right decision matching this offer sheet from the Pacers? I got to say, I was actually surprised that the Phoenix Suns matched this offer sheet. I thought they were going to let Aiden walk and go on to Indiana. I don't think DeAndre Aiden is a max player. So I think this was, was also the wrong move. I don't think the Suns should have brought back DeAndre Aiden. I don't think he's a max player. I don't. I, I would have let him walk and walk his way on out of Phoenix to Indiana and, you know, let them build around DeAndre Aiden. I don't think DeAndre Aiden is a number one option on the championship team. And I think you paying him this money, you're paying him maximum dollars. And it, it got to pay off for the championship. But I don't think he's worth the money. I really, really don't. Now, let's move on and let's talk about Devontae Adams. Earlier in the offseason, Devontae Adams was traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. And so the question is, will Devontae Adams regret leaving Aaron Rodgers? Because Devontae Adams had some interesting comments about Derek Carr the other day. And I'm going to read the comments. So he said, why is Derek not a Hall of Famer? What I meant, I left one keyword out of there because that's not exactly what I meant. But do I think that Derek's career is Hall of Fame worthy and why not? Does he have the MVPs right now? No. Has he won a Super Bowl yet? No. But what I meant to say was, even if you go Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, it's an adjustment. I wasn't saying Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers to Hall of Famer Derek. So I'm not retracting my statement at all. That was Devontae Adams on Derek Carr. First and foremost, for me, asking the question, is Devontae Adams going to regret leaving Aaron Rodgers for, Devon for Derek Carr? It's tough for me to answer. And the reason why it's tough for me to answer is because I'm still not over the Packers trading away Devontae Adams. I'm still not over it. I don't think I'm ever going to get over it because I believe Devontae Adams is the best receiver in pro football. I know last year Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown Award and he had a sensational season. Cooper Cup won Super Bowl MVP, although I thought the Super Bowl MVP should have went to Aaron Donald. but Cooper Cup was outstanding last year. He had a great season. But I believe that Devontae Adams has been the best receiver in the NFL the last four years. Last four years, Devontae Adams has been the best receiver in the NFL. And I think statistically, his numbers back that up. Adams leads the NFL in receptions, 432, receiving yards, 
5,310 receiving yards and receiving touchdowns with 47 in the last four seasons. And in that same time frame, this is the Aaron Rodgers to, to Devontae Adams connection. Been the best in the NFL. Completions, 425 completions. That's ranked first in the NFL. Passing yards, 5,257. That's ranked first in the NFL. And there's been 47 passing touchdowns between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. That's ranked first in the NFL. So it's going to be an adjustment for me watching Packer games this year because we don't have the great Devontae Adams to throw to. And just to make matters worse, a little earlier it was announced that Julio Jones will be joining Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. I'm not happy about it because I want Julio in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. I, I can only imagine how Julio could contribute to that Packers offense and that connection with Julio and Aaron Rodgers, how great it would be. But Tom Brady, once again, comes in and just steals an NFL free agent. He stole Antonio Brown. Now he's stealing Julio Jones. It just, it just, I just don't understand what the Packers front office be thinking sometimes. I just don't. But let's get back to Devontae Adams. As great as Aaron and Devontae have been, and if I'm answering this question and I'm being objective about this, because y'all know a part of me, I want to say that Devontae is going to regret leaving Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr. I want to say that. But if I'm being objective, I honestly don't think Devontae will regret leaving Aaron Rodgers for Derek Carr. Because Derek Carr is no scrub. Let's not act like Derek Carr is Baker Mayfield. Let's not act like Derek Carr is Sam Darnold. Let's not act like Derek Carr is Marcus Mariota. Derek Carr is a bona fide starting quarterback in the NFL. He's arguably, arguably a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Over the last two years, Derek Carr, he has 270 yards per game, 50 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. Now, his record isn't good. It's 18 and 15. Not impressive, but that's not all Derek Carr's fault. And Derek Carr, he has the third most passing yards in the first eight seasons in the NFL, in NFL history, only behind Peyton Manning and Matt Ryan. He got 31,700 passing yards in his career. That's Derek Carr. He's one of four quarterbacks to have at least 4,000 passing yards in each of the last four seasons. The others, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. That's some elite company from Derek, for Derek Carr to be a part of, right? And also, last year, he led the Las Vegas Raiders to the playoffs despite all the turmoil surrounding that Raiders team. I remember the John Gruden situation in Vegas last year and then the awful incident involving Henry Ruggs. This is going to be Derek Carr's sixth coach entering his ninth season. And I believe last year was impressive for him to lead that Raiders team to the postseason. I, like, I, 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 like, honestly, last year, when I looked at all the postseason teams, well, the Steelers were awful. They were bad, too. But I think after the Steelers, 
the most shocking team of all was the Raiders making the playoffs. And I thought last year in that playoff game against the Bengals, I thought the Raiders competed. They really did compete. They had a chance to win that game. And I thought Derek Carr, you know, in the fourth quarter of that game, there were some plays that he left on the field to be desired. There were some plays that I thought he left on the field and I thought he could have stepped up. But again, I've been very, very impressed with Derek Carr in his career overall. In his career, he got 57 career wins, 30 game winning drives. 30 game winning drives mean you are clutch. Derek Carr has shown an ability to be clutch in games. Okay. And this is an interesting stat. This is an interesting stat, and this tells you how committed Derek Carr has been to the Raiders organization, despite everything that's going on around him. In his eight years in the NFL, the Raiders have allowed the most points in those eight years, and they've had the fewest takeaways, which means Derek Carr, he's not getting short fields, and he's having to win shootouts week after week after week okay i believe that Devonte adams will not regret leaving aaron Rodgers for Derek carr because Devonte adams and Derek carr they've had chemistry dating back to when they played at fresno state this was Devonte adams numbers at fresno state with Derek carr as his quarterback Devonte adams 131 reception 1718 receiving yards, 24 touchdowns in 13 games in 2013. And this is another thing that ain't nobody really talking about. Damn it, if I got the chance to play in Las Vegas compared to cold-ass Green Bay, take me to Las Vegas. I don't blame Devontae for leaving cold, windy Green Bay in the snow in the wintertime, going out to the warm weather in Las Vegas. Quality of life matters. It matters. So we know Devontae Adams is a West Coast type of guy. I think Devontae Adams made the right decision. Not to mention, similar to Kevin Durant, even though he's my quarterback and I think Aaron Rodgers is elite and I think Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you never know what you're going to get from Aaron Rodgers. You really don't. Aaron might retire after this year. You do not know. So I think Devontae Adams knew that I may only have, at the most, three years with Aaron Rodgers. I get. 10 years with Derek Carr, similar to what I said earlier about the Celtics and why they should keep Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together and not trade for Kevin Durant. You get Kevin Durant for five years, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum for the next 12. Same with Devontae Adams. He's feeling like I get Derek Carr for the next 10 years. I get Aaron Rodgers at the most, maybe three, because Aaron might retire at the end of the year. He might. I, I hope he stays and plays another five years in the NFL. But he might retire after this year. And I think Devontae Adams knows that. And he knows that Jordan Love is not very good. Jordan Love's not very good. So Devontae Adams don't want to be stuck in Green Bay with Jordan Love. He'd rather go to Las Vegas and play with his boy. I think in the end, Devontae Adams made the right decision. I think this year, the Raiders are going to be a sleeper in the AFC. I like their weapons on their team. You got Darren Waller. He's a top three tight end. Hunter Renfro, who Derek Carr already had some chemistry with dating back to last year. I thought last year, Renfro in the playoff game was Derek Carr's only reliable target. He trusted Darren Waller as well, but he, the, as far as receivers, he didn't really trust none of those other receivers last year. 
So Raiders, you know, I think they they brought in Chandler Jones on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're going to be a sleeper in the AFC. We know how tough the AFC West is, though. I mean, this is the toughest division in pro football. You got the Denver Broncos. They brought Russell Wilson. We know the Chargers. They're trying to get back to the playoffs. Herbert wants to punch his ticket to his first postseason berth. And we know the Kansas City Chiefs have been a model of consistency since Patrick Mahomes has taken over the helm. But, um, again, I, th- I think that Devontae Adams made the right decision because he's thinking about the longevity. And I can't blame him, even though I, I would have loved for Devontae to retire in Green Bay. And I think Devontae is dynamic. Like, even without Aaron, I still think Devontae Adams will be a big-time player for the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I think Aaron will be fine, too. I think Aaron can still play at an elite level. And Aaron Rodgers will still be in that MVP conversation. But make no mistake about it, Devontae Adams will still get his numbers, and he's still going to play at a high level. Let's transition, and let's talk about Kyler Murray. As the Arizona Cardinals, they just gave Kyler Murray a five-year contract extension worth $230.5 million. That includes $160 million guaranteed. And everyone's talking about, will Kyler Murray live up to this monster extension? So it was reported today, it came out today, that Kyler Murray has an independent study clause in his contract. So I'm going to read this to everyone. This, this is what Kyler Murray has to do is in his contract. Or the Arizona Cardinals could void the contract. Kyler Murray, he shall complete at least four hours of independent study each week, excluding the bye week during the playing season. Independent study means reviewing material provided by club on electronic device excludes mandatory team meetings. That means he has to go home and watch film by himself, not at the Cardinals facility. They also will not, he will not receive credit for independent study if he's not studying or reviewing material while it is being played or engaged in other activity, distracting activity, i.e. watching TV or video game. So obviously, there, there's, there's been reported that Kyler, Kyler Murray is a gamer. Likes to play the game a lot. But, you know, no, no problem with it. That's, some, that's how some brothers are. They like to play the game. I'm not really a big-time gamer. Uh, it's, it's okay. I play sports games. I play Madden. I play 2K. And honestly, I normally only play when I have my friends over. I really don't play by myself too much. But Kyler, he's young. So he's a gamer. He likes playing the game. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having hobbies, right? So First and foremost, I want to say, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, for them to have an independent study clause in his contract is something I have never heard of. And honestly, it's a red flag. The fact that you have to put this in this contract is embarrassing for the Arizona Cardinals, and it's embarrassing for Kyler Murray. You can pay millions of dollars to play football, bro. You get millions of dollars to play quarterback. Why do they have to put a study clause in your contract for you to watch film? And then it's only four hours a week. I thought quarterbacks watch four hours of film daily. Four hours a week? Really? That's ridiculous to me. Like, I've never heard of anything like this. And I think the fact that the Arizona Cardinals had to do this, it proves why earlier in the offseason, there were reports out of Arizona about Kyler Murray's leadership and 
we see why the Cardinals were reluctant to give Kyler Murray a long-term extension and pay him a lot of money. You have to put this in his contract because obviously if he doesn't study and watch film, they can void his contract. They don't have to pay him all the money in his contract. But it's a red flag. It's a red flag. I believe that you have to accept Kyler for what, who he is. You're not going to get a better quarterback than Kyler Murray right now in the draft, more than likely. You're not. So you have to accept him for who he is. Putting this in a contract is a red flag. It's a bad look on the organization. It's a bad look on Kyler Murray. But also, this is the reason why I think it's a bad look on the organization as well. Not only because you don't trust Kyler, clearly. But this, to me, is a shortcut for Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. It's your job to coach up Kyler Murray. Cliff, why you got to put a clause in his contract for him to go home and have to watch film by himself? He should be doing that on his own anyway. I shouldn't have to motivate you as a coach. You should already be motivated being in the NFL, being the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals anyway. And the fact that we're paying you, that alone should make you want to study and get better as a quarterback. I shouldn't have to, to monitor how much you are watching film. That is your job as an NFL quarterback. And I always say, too, the one thing that I always say, and I've heard greats in sports talk about, is respecting the process. And I think discipline is doing what you don't want to do. My mom always used to tell me, my mom always told me, you got to do what you got to do until you can do what you want to do. You got to study and watch film, Kyler. But I think it's a bad look on the organization and the coaching staff because there should be a coach on that Cardinal staff that stays with Kyler Murray after practice and get some extra film study in with their young quarterback. Having him go home by himself and saying you got to study by yourself for four hours of the week, I think that's a shortcut. And that's co those coaches on that Cardinal staff being lazy. Cliff Kingsbury got paid. His job is to coach up Kyler Murray. His job is to motivate Kyler Murray to want to go in the film room and study film. That's what you're supposed to do as a coach. That's what you're supposed to do as a coach. They got this in his contract as an out because if Kyler doesn't do what he's supposed to do, they can say, we had it in the contract. We had it for him. This is what he was supposed to do. No, the coach and other coaches on that coaching staff is supposed to help Kyler Murray. But he should be self-motivated anyway. you got to be in love with the process. you got to be in love with the process. That's one thing I always respected and I loved about the late, great Kobe Bryant. He always respected the process. Never cheated the game. Never. You can never cheat the process. And so, like, if you are other players in that locker room this season and there are games where you might lose because Kyler, you know, missed a player a player from the opposing team on a particular play blitzing, you're going to look at Kyler and say, well, we know he ain't been studying those four hours that was required of him in his contract. This is public information now. So other players on that Cardinals team, they know that Kyler Murray is supposed to spend four hours of independent study 
each week. And if he misses a receiver who's open, he misses a blitz that's coming through, a player that's trying to sack him, and that's the reason why the Arizona Cardinals lose the game, I guarantee you it's going to be players in that locker room that's going to be looking at Kyler Murray with the side eye. And they're going to say, we see who wasn't studying this week. We see who wasn't watching film this week. I just think it's a bad bad look on Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. This is something I would do with, with my kids. Like, this is something I tell my son. Like, hey, you know, if you read five chapters today, you go outside and you can play. If you read five chapters of a particular book, you can go and play the game for a couple hours. This is something that you do with children, not a quarterback in the NFL. That's not what you do. Makes no sense. But anyway, let's talk about Kyler Murray and whether or not I believe he will live up to this extension and him as a player. So this is Kyler Murray. He is the only player in NFL history to have 70 passing touchdowns and 20 rushing touchdowns in his first three seasons of his career. He also has 13,266 pass plus rush yards in his career so far. That's the third most all-time in the first three seasons of his career. He has three straight seasons with 3,500 passing yards and 20 passing touchdowns. That's the longest in Arizona Cardinals history. So I think that Arizona, I think that Kyler Murray as an individual player and as a quarterback, I think that he is borderline top 10. Like I'm going to do my top 10 quarterbacks before the season starts. But I think that Kyler Murray is, he's on, he's on a, he's on a cusp of being, of being top 10. I'm taking Lamar Jackson over him. I'm taking Matthew Stafford over him. I'm taking Justin Herbert over him. I'm probably going to take Dak over him too because Dak already won a playoff game. But those are some of the players at the quarterback position that's at the bottom half of my top 10 list that I'm thinking about. Uh, like I said, Lamar, Dak, Stafford, Herbert. I'm, I'm taking all them over Kyler. So Kyler might be like on the outside of my top 10. He, he like he maybe on the outside, him and Derek Carr are on the same level to me. Neither one has won a playoff game just yet. Last year, the Arizona Cardinals got blew off the field by the LA Rams in the wild card game in the NFC. But I still got my questions about Kyler. There are some other young quarterbacks who I would take over Kyler Murray. Um, obviously, I would take Josh Allen over him. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, that goes without saying. Deshaun Watson, if he is playing, I'm taking Deshaun Watson over him. Lamar, I'm taking over Kyler Murray. Herbert, taking over Kyler Murray. Burrow, I'm taking over Kyler Murray. But I, I like Kyler Murray a lot. I think Kyler Murray has tremendous upside. Uh, I think that, you know, that he's the kind of quarterback that can develop and to being a quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl with. I don't think he's a scrub, okay? I think he's a, a legit starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think the Arizona Cardinals can win with Kyler Murray as their starting quarterback. So I do believe he's going to live up to this extension because I think you have to pay Kyler Murray. If you don't pay him, someone else will pay him. And you're not going to find a quarterback of his caliber in the draft anytime soon. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I think you have to pay Kyler Murray. So, you know, but I think, and it's going to lead me to my actual last part of the show. Like, it's important for Kyler Murray to have a, a good year this year because this is this year, 
This is most guaranteed money on a quarterback contract. This NFL, this, just quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, he's getting $230 million guaranteed. Kyler Murray is getting $160 million guaranteed. Aaron Rodgers is getting $150.7 million guaranteed. Josh Allen getting $150 million guaranteed. So you're getting paid all this guaranteed money, Kyler. You got to live up to, live up to expectation. You got to win a playoff game. I'm not sure the Arizona Cardinals are Super Bowl contenders because in the NFC, I'm taking the LA Rams over the Cardinals. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Cardinals. I'm taking the New Orleans Saints over the Cardinals. I'm taking the Packers over the Cardinals. I'm not sure they're Super Bowl contenders this year, but I do think it's reasonable to expect Kyler Murray to at least win a playoff game, at least win one playoff game. Because for whatever reason, the last few years, the Arizona Cardinals, they start off hot. Start off hot. Remember last year, there was like 7-0 going into that Thursday night matchup with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers coming to town. Everybody on the Packers offense caught COVID. Alan Lazar caught, caught COVID. Devontae Adams had COVID. Everybody had COVID. And Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they rolled into Arizona and they beat the Cardinals. Gave them their first loss of the season. For whatever reason, the Cardinals, they start off hot. And they played well at the beginning of the season. But as the season goes along, they teeter off. And they don't play well in December and January. So I, I want to see Kyler Murray play consistent football at the quarterback position at a high level all season long. Because in the early part of last year, he was an MVP candidate. He was an MVP candidate in those first seven games of the season. He ended up getting injured, though. I think that's what happened. He got injured. And that's kind of what hurt the Cardinals in their season. But I still got my questions about Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not sure if Cliff Kingsbury is the coach or the right coach that could lead the Arizona Cardinals to a Super Bowl. I'm not sure if Kingsbury is the right coach that could lead Kyler Murray to elevate into that, you know, top-tier quarterback in, you know, conversation. I'm not sure. I still got my questions about Cliff Kingsbury. We'll find out about him this year as well. But I think it's going to be key for – the Cardinals to keep D-Hop healthy. D-Hop is going to be very, very instrumental to the Arizona Cardinals' success this year. They got to keep him healthy. They got to. They, they, they got to they keep him healthy. So we're going to see. I, I, again, I think Kyler Murray will live up to the extension, but I'm not sure that the Arizona Cardinals are a Super Bowl contender. But I think they can make the playoffs, and I think it's within reason to ask Kyler Murray to at least win one playoff game. That's within reason for me. That's within reason. Let's transition to the last topic of the day. It's Trey's Corner on Wise Guy Sports. You are on watching the Wise Guy Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going for other Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me show the follow Wise Guys for Instagram with these guys no sports. We're going to be live on the Worldwide Sports Network Tuesday, Thursday, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Talking about the latest in sports. We had some technical difficulties today. That's why I came on late. But we got the show in. So let's finish up with the last segment of the day. There was some interesting comments that came out with this anonymous defensive coordinator who had some things to say about Lamar Jackson. And Trace Corner. Just so everyone knows, this is the part of the show where I unleash about something that really, really ticked me off. And this was something that ticked me off, okay? 
This is an anonymous defensive coordinator in the NFL. This is on Lamar Jackson. He says, quote, if he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete, and he's really a good football player. But I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a one as a quarterback. He'll be a one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. So many games come down to two minutes, and that is why they have a hard time advancing, even when they're good on defense. That was an anonymous NFL defensive coordinator talking to the athletic about Lamar Jackson. So Lamar Jackson, he's entering his final season of his rookie deal. He skipped voluntary OTAs. He attended mandatory minicamp. And so he's obviously in a contract negotiation with the Baltimore Ravens. He just saw Kyler Murray get paid. So when it comes to this anonymous, let's say anonymous defensive coordinator on Kyler Murray, the first thing I want to address is, sir, you're entitled to your opinion. Even if you're wrong, that's not my issue. My issue here is being anonymous. In the words of the great Herm Edwards, put your name on it. You bad enough, you bold enough to make these stupid comments. You need to be bold enough to own it. Don't be anonymous. It's okay to say dumb stuff. I say dumb stuff all the time, but I stand on it. I put my name on it. If you're going to have these anonymous comments on Lamar Jackson, attach your name to it. Attach your name to it. Don't give me an anonymous quote. We want to know who you are. We want to see your face. We want to see who this is talking about Lamar Jackson. Because I ain't even got to the comments themselves yet. Those are ridiculous within themselves. We're just talking about the fact that you had to be anonymous. Put your name on it. Like, I hate the fact that we have these coaches in sports, trainers, people that surround these organizations who are anonymous. I hate it. Now, it helps me as a journalist because I get to quote someone and I get to have content on my show. But I hate the fact that these coaches or trainers or players are anonymous. Put your name on it. Okay. Now, let's talk about the comment itself. The comment itself was also stupid. And I can't even say your name because you are anonymous. You say Lamar Jackson could win 12 league MVPs and he still wouldn't be viewed as a number one at the quarterback position. What other quarterback has to deal with this type of scrutiny? I think Lamar Jackson is the most disrespected player in NFL history. Like, if this was Aaron Rodgers, if this was Tom Brady, if this was, let's talk about the young quarterbacks. If this was Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, I don't think they would have to deal with this scrutiny like Lamar Jackson has to deal with. I don't. Like, 12 league MVPs, if any player won 12 league MVPs, they would be number one at their position of all time. What are you talking about? Talking about they wouldn't even be number one as a quarterback. They would be number one at, as a quarterback of all time. 12 league MVPs? Are you kidding me? 
Like, that's insane. But let's talk about Lamar Jackson and his accomplishments, shall we? Lamar Jackson, 37 and 12 as a starter in the NFL. He was a 2019 NFL MVP. He's a two-time Pro Bowl quarterback. And he is the cornerstone of that Baltimore Ravens team. Lamar Jackson is the reason why the Baltimore Ravens are considered Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. The reason why we talk about the Baltimore Ravens and why they can possibly win the AFC North and compete in the postseason is because of Lamar Jackson. Let's stop acting like Lamar Jackson is Sam Darnold or like Baker Mayfield. Lamar Jackson is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He's top 10 in the NFL. There are other quarterbacks who have gotten paid who haven't accomplished anywhere near the things that Lamar Jackson has accomplished. That's including Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray just got paid. 230 mil, 160 guaranteed. Kyler Murray don't got no NFL MVP. Kyler Murray has not won a playoff game yet. Deshaun Watson. I love Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun actually is better than Lamar Jackson. But Deshaun Watson has not won an NFL MVP. Neither has Josh Allen. And yet we continue to disrespect Lamar like he's a scrub. Let me name you the quarterbacks who I'm taking over Lamar Jackson. It's only a few. Like the fit, like, like last year he was that he was injured. That entire Baltimore Ravens team was injured. But these are the quarterbacks I'm taking over Lamar. Like this off the top of my head. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Burrow, maybe these other quarterbacks. Burrow, Herbert, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, like. No, like, give me Lamar over Kyler Murray. Give me Lamar over Dak Prescott. Give me Lamar over Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert hasn't even gotten charges to the playoffs yet. They haven't even gotten to the postseason yet. So I hate the fact that people disrespect Lamar Jackson so much. Lamar Jackson is a for sure lock to be a top 10 quarterback. He has to be in your top 10 quarterbacks list. But again, this anonymous defensive coordinator, not only were you a coward for being anonymous and not putting your name on it, you also were wrong in saying that if Lamar Jackson won 12 NFL MVPs, that he wouldn't be number one as a quarterback. He still would be. He's number one as a quarterback now on the Baltimore Ravens. He's a great quarterback who's accomplished a lot in his young NFL career. He needs to win a Super Bowl for the Ravens to validate everything because i think at some i think what it is people are surprised that lamar has flourished in the nfl the way that he has all these scouts coming into the nfl draft they say lamar jackson should switch positions i don't think lamar jackson could be a quarterback in the nfl and lamar jackson has exceeded expectations he took over for joe flacco at the quarterback position and he's had the baltimore ravens competing year in and you're out. It's time to show some appreciation for Lamar Jackson. And again, I think he's a top 10 quarterback for sure. Easily. Easily he's a top 10 quarterback. Like, I'm not even sure if I take Matthew Stafford over Lamar Jackson. Lamar got an MVP. That MVP goes a long way. It goes a long way. So again, I hate the fact that this defensive coordinator was anonymous. Put your name on it. Don't be a coward. I want to know who you are. 
Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore waves. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. You can go and listen to the Wise Guys podcast on Spotify, Spreaker. You know, it'll be on it'll be on uh on, on in the podcast app. You know, if you got an iPhone, it's gonna be available on all the podcast platforms. So also be on YouTube as well. Been a great show. Glad to be back in the house. The NFL season is upon us. Training camp is here. We got preseason games a little over two and a half weeks away. I'm so excited for the upcoming NFL season. Definitely excited. Come back on Thursday on the Wise Guys Sports Show on the World Wide Sports Network. I'm Trey Larkins signing off. Have a great night. It's the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network.